0: one is that uh, I mentioned this last week, we're going to try to have a, a panel question and answer session for for week number five. Okay, So we'll have several folks up here to, to field questions that you guys may have about this topic we're reviewing. So I think that'll be exciting um, and it just uh, works out better if we extend that into the fifth week as far as uh, getting folks up here. Um, that'll also help kind of decompress a little bit and that's probably would have been pretty difficult to get the the next two lessons into one lesson, so this will make it a little easier. In fact, we may be done a little bit early today. We'll see how that goes. But uh, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we uh, once again thank you for the privilege of uh, gathering in your house, Lord, to uh, open up your word, to study, um, to fellowship together, Lord. And um, uh, we just ask that uh, you would uh, open your... Word up to us today, Lord, that it would, um, that it it would have its perfect result, Lord, in in changing our hearts. That we would be uh, open to self-examination, Lord. That we would uh, discover those areas where we uh, have fallen short, Lord, and that you would convict us in those areas. But we ask that, um, uh, Lord, that you would just help me get out of the way of your word this morning, and that it would be presented accurately, and that it. You'd bless our time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Once again, week number three. Uh, I'd like to start out, as always, with a quick review. Uh, I've got a lot more folks here today, so if you missed the first two sessions, this will be a very brief review and give you a little bit of idea of where we've gone the past couple weeks. Um, We started out a couple weeks ago laying a foundation. Uh, we, We really started out with looking at the origin of work. And we basically concluded that work is a gift from God, okay? unlike some of the um, uh, misconceptions out there of it being a curse. Okay? We, we said that God is a worker, and therefore man is a worker, since it's created in the image of God. Okay? We, we looked at the Reformation as a key point in history where the whole idea, the whole doctrine of vocation was um, kind of rattled up and, and changed looked at some of the writings of Martin Luther and Calvin. And, you know, to summarize it, basically one of their big points was there's no such thing as secular versus sacred, okay? So before the Reformation there was that big division. You had the, the secular work over here, the, the, the fleshly stuff that had no value versus the, you know, the, the spiritual stuff over here was a, was a great divide. Um, so they, they basically said your jobs it's not a secular job. Okay, there's no such thing as a secular job anymore. It's a spiritual duty. Okay, so we laid that foundation, and, and we said that all work, all work has dignity and meaning, not just the work and the, you know, the so-called ministry. All work has dignity and meaning. We considered um, uh, one's vocation okay, as a powerful means to impact the culture, and that was a big part of the Reformation. You know, we established this idea of vocation and how it impacts our culture. And remember that vocation extends beyond the boundary of just our jobs, and the things that we get a paycheck for. It's everything. It's everything that we do. It's, you know, for whether you're working for an employer, if you're in the home working, in the ministry, whatever. It's all one thing. It's all the same, um, and it all has an impact on our culture. We look closely at the doctrine of vocation. We identify a primary calling. Okay, we talked about that, was what that was, and then the secondary calling. Everyone has the primary calling to God, okay? Uh, and then within the secondary calling, we identified four aspects. You know, we, we have a secondary calling in our families, within the church, within the community as a whole, and then vocation. And that's where we camped out at, at on vocation. Voc- so we, we said that a Christian work is not a specific type of occupation. It's not any one job, but it's an attitude, okay? It's an attitude. And you can have different careers and jobs during your life, but your vocational calling from God will always stay constant. That doesn't change. We also then looked at um, kind of the depreciation of work, particularly in modern American culture. And we, um, you know, we said that without a proper work ethic, we don't work well. We don't work with excellence, and we lack passion. We lack passion. We looked at a, a series of uh, verses in Ecclesiastes. It was kind of uh, almost depressing, you know, reading that. It was, it was really uh, kind of pointing out the futility of work. Okay, And um, the author posed a series of cynical questions, including why do we work? Why work? What's the purpose of it? Um, what do we really get out of it? Okay, what does it really produce, and, and what's the benefit? So he laid out all these cynical questions. And then he kind of gave the worldly answer, which wasn't really encouraging. It was almost treating our work, once again, as a curse. And he basically came to the conclusion that all is vanity and striving after the wind, and there's no profit under the sun. He hated the idea of all this work and everything that he had done, and, and somebody else was going to actually benefit from it. So... um he even talked about the curse of staying up at night thinking about his work. So he worked all day long, and then he stayed up all night thinking about it. He also kind of uh, kind of um, hit on the free market uh, system a little bit. He said, hey, it, all it does is create rivalry between man and his neighbor, and it promotes division. And he also said, um, you know, we use the analogy, you never see a, a U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, he said, look, you can take nothing from the fruit of his labor that you can carry in your hand, all right? Um, all a man's labor is for his mouth, and yet, yet the appetite is, is not satisfied, okay? He said you mow the grass, and a week later, you got to mow it again, and a week later, you know, it's just a continual type thing. Fortunately, he didn't leave us there, did he? Okay, so he gave the biblical answer. How do we deal with all these cynical questions? Well, the answer to that question was, look, you have to view work as a gift from God it's a gift from God Okay, so we, we, we highlighted about five different reasons why work is a gift from God um, <clears throat> what sense is it as work, work a gift from God number one was it was a means of glorifying God we talked about all of God's creation is set there to glorify him including us he's given us skills and talents we're to use those and when we do that correctly we glorify him we also talked about work as a means of providing value or meaning or fulfillment to life, okay? The very practical reality of when we do something well feels kind of good. It really does. Um, you know, whether it's a student studying for a test who aces that test and masters the material, or if it's a, you know, it's a builder who builds a structure and steps back and looks at his work, and, you know, that, that's good. It's a, it's a sense of fulfillment. It's, um, it's meeting a goal. We are goal-oriented, okay? Another big one is it prevented idleness, prevented idleness. We are to stay busy. Idleness is, uh, can be a problem, okay? Uh, when we're idle, we tend to um, do things that we're not supposed to do, okay? Um, we said that work is a means of providing for the needs of life. Yes, God provides our needs. He provides our food, our shelter, our clothing, but he uses our work as a means to uh, get that, right? So we work, we gain income, we use that to get our food, our shelter, pretty basic stuff. It's just another means uh, for which, uh, how he provides for us. <clears throat> and lastly, we said work is a means of serving mankind. Okay? Um, it's part of that, um, uh, that kind of uh, universal blessing that God has over, over all creation. We serve, when we're doing our jobs well, we serve mankind. Okay? Whether it's uh, the believers or non-believers alike, common grace. Okay. We identified work as a command of God, a command of God. We looked at Exodus 20, verses 9 and 10. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall not do any work. So we always look at the, you know, the, the Sabbath part of that, but we tend to neglect the six days of work that he talked about, that he commanded. Okay. So God has commanded us to work. Six days you are to labor. We talked about the fact that he included this command with the other commandments really shows the high value that he places on work. Okay? It's in the same list as you shall not, uh, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make for yourself an idol, you shall not take the name of the Lord in your vein. All that's in the same section with your work, your labor six days. So he has a really high uh, regard for work. And therefore, we also need to have a high view. Uh, One or two other things, we talked about God's creation mandate, we looked at that beautiful Psalm 104, where it looked at all of God's creation, the mountains, the rivers, uh, talked about the birds singing, talked about the lions roaring, and you got the sense that everything was created and doing what it was designed to do, and within that was man, and what was he doing? He was laboring, so it's part of the creation mandate, and we... uh, we quoted uh, MacArthur, he had a, he had a great um, summation of this. It says, we have to regard work as a creation mandate, as a component of the image of God, as a natural law invested with inherent dignity. It's just God's way for man. Okay, I love that. So it's, it's our part in creation and we can do it to his praise. So all creation is designed to give glory to the creator and uh, we're just part of that, Okay. And then lastly, we looked at the parable of talents, Matthew twenty-five, fourteen to 30. And we, we, we drew out five lessons uh, from the parable of talents. Number one being that success is a product, success is a product of our work. We have to work. Okay? Um, and then we also said that God supplies us with everything we need to do what he has called us to do. So he doesn't call us to do something and then not give us the, t- the tools to accomplish that. He provides it. We also made a kind of a controversial statement. It says, look, we are not all created equal, okay? We're not, okay? And what I mean by that is we all, we all aren't created with the same skills and talents, okay? Uh, we're not. Some of us are gifted in some areas, some in other areas. So we're not equal in as far as our, our, our skills and talents go, okay? But we all work for the master, okay? Um, and that was our fourth point. We all work for the master. Um, the talents were provided by the master. Okay? The, the um, profit that was made from those talents was given back to the master. It all belongs to him. Right? And the last point in the parable of talents was we will be held accountable. Okay? And we made a point that um, you know, those three servants, the two that were, were obedient... Okay. They were given different talents and, and produced a uh, different level of talents, but they were both obedient, and therefore they got the same reward. Okay, the same reward. Okay, and then uh, the 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 servant that wasn't obedient, he was basically lab- labeled lazy. Okay, so we don't want to be in that classification, obviously. So that kind of brings us up to today. What I want to focus on today is. More uh, kind of uh, down and dirty, in the trenches type stuff. We're going to talk about being an employee, an employee. Okay, so this becomes very practical. Next week we're going to look at the other side of that, and that's looking at being an employer. Okay, and once again, let's don't get in, in that narrow view that it's just uh, the workplace here. Okay, submission occurs in all different, you know, formats. Um, so these these principles of submission apply everywhere, not just in our workplace. So let's uh, turn to Titus, chapter 2. This is going to be uh, where we camp out today. Now, we're going to be all over the place, but we're going to continue to come back to Titus, particularly verses 9 through 10. So bear with me, because we'll be jumping in and out of that, but we'll always come back to that, being our key text. So while you guys are looking there, let's give a little context here. So... <clears throat> Basically, we have Paul is writing to Titus, okay, and in general, what he's dealing with here is is character of a healthy church, and specifically the primary means for evangelism, okay, and it's personal evangelism, personal evangelism. We talked about some interesting statistics last week where a survey was done that said that 90% of believers um, accounted their um, Uh, salvation to some type of personal witness. In other words, they they didn't come to Christ through a a grand marketing scheme or going to a concert or or that kind of thing. It was a personal one-on-one relationship or witness of another believer, okay? And that's critical, okay? So, and we said that, look, the problem with mass evangelistic methods is that we can't overcome the massive display of negative testimony demonstrated by people who name the name of Christ and sin publicly. So there's a lot of hypocrisy out there. Okay, and that's why that personal one-on-one uh, type thing is so important. Let's turn to Titus. I told you I was going to jump you all over the place here. Let's go to Titus chapter 1 verse 16. This is what I'm talking about. Titus 1 verse 16 says, They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him. Being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed, so that so that we know we know hypocrisy is nothing new. Okay, and this this points that out right there. Okay, it's always been around. Uh, and if there's if there's no credibility, if there's no credibility in the lives of those who name the name of Christ. Then all our efforts to evangelize it's it's a waste it's a wasted effort. Okay, your life has to match up with your testimony. It's blatant hypocrisy what it is. Okay, so let's um, go back to Titus. And once again, trying to give a little bit of a context here, we're going we're gonna to back up and look at the first 10 verses. I just want to read the first 10 verses for you, and then we'll build up to verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> so Titus 2, verses 1 to 10. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, and love, and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So you see he's dealing with the home here, okay? Likewise, Urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. And then our key text today, Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. So hopefully what you see here, what's the big issue here? It's an evangel- evangelistic um, type presentation. Okay. Look at verse 5. It says that the work of God may not be dishonored. Okay? And in verse 8 it says, so that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. It's a credibility issue. Verse 10, that we may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. So his underlying uh, goal here is we need to do all these things well. We need to behave this way, okay, because it's a testimony. It's evangelistic. People are watching. So that's kind of the context leading up to verses 9, okay? All right, we're going to exit that again and go to Colossians. This just builds on the point. We go to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 22. Kind of a parallel passage for our key text today. Says, Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong, which he has done, and that without partiality. Okay, so listen, if you're an employee, this stuff's pretty critical. This is a critical passage for you. Okay, And once again, it's not just employees. It's everybody who has some, some level of submission, and that includes us all. Okay. We're all to submit um, to some authority. Okay, So what are some key things here? Um, number one, what this points out is we are to obey our masters. We're to obey your master. Okay, It's really not negotiable. Slaves in all things, those who are your masters on earth on earth, okay, you need to obey them. And number two, it's not just obedience, but it's an attitude issue. Your attitude needs to be right with this obedience, okay? Those of us who have children know what this is all about, right? It's not just doing it. It's doing it with the right attitude. It's not with external service. It's not with a a reluctant attitude, okay, it's not just to please men, only striving when, the, when somebody's watching. Okay? If you're in your workplace, do you only give your best when you know that the boss is watching? And what are you doing when no one's looking? It's an attitude. It's a heart issue. But with sincerity of heart. You see that in, in, in the verse there? Fearing the Lord. So, in a sense, we need, to have kind of a, we need to have a healthy fear that if we're not doing this well, there may be Discipline. And yeah, that's the reality of it here. God has called us to a task here, and we are to do it well with the right attitude. And it clearly says that um, uh, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong he has done. That's discipline. Not punishment. It's discipline for the believer. Okay? So listen, your effort needs to be what I call full throttle. Okay? It's not uh, coasting here. We're to, we're to go all out. This is a full-throttle effort, okay? What does it say? It says, do your work heartily. I like that word. That's robust, okay? Work hard. Work hard. Exhaust yourself, okay? Because um, who are you working for? Your work is for the Lord. The, the beautiful thing here is you'll receive a reward for that, okay? You're going to receive a reward from Him, from him for the service you do for him. OK, it's 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 really the you know, most uh, most of you, that are employees, you're used to the annual review. You sit down with your your boss and you go over how you've done and, you know, that, that's it can be a great time. Hopefully it's a good time and uh, looking at things you've done well and, and how to get better. But really, what, what really matters is the Lord's evaluation, is it not? OK, that's our mindset when we're when we're analyzing or looking at our, our effort. The Lord is your evaluator. What's he going to say about your effort? Okay. And listen, lastly, our effort has consequences. It has consequences. The Lord doesn't care what level of job you're in. He doesn't, it doesn't matter to Him. We talked about this earlier. There's no difference. There's no difference between the dishwasher and the brain surgeon. He does, that doesn't matter to Him. It's what we do in that role that He's placed us that matters. It doesn't matter how much seniority you've amassed at work, how long you've been there, how many projects you've done, it doesn't matter, okay. <clears throat> so it's it's an evangelistic issue once again. That's really what it is. Go over to First Peter two twelve. Kind of uh, reiterates my point. First Peter two two twelve says. I'll let you turn there. It says keep your behavior excellent among the pagans so that in the thing in which they slander you, they may, on account of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay, There's the evangelistic uh, type feel. People are watching. Do things well. Do things well. Sermon on the Mount. Okay, Christ talks about this. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our good works, our good deeds, uh, with the right attitude, glorify the Father. So godly character in the world is the greatest evangelistic strategy that we have. We know that 90% of believers come to Christ through the means of some personal testimony. Godly character in the world is is the best strategy for sharing the gospel with the unbeliever. They're watching your behavior. So let's kind of circle back around to our original text back to Titus okay so let's go back and do uh, verses 9 and 10 <clears throat> with all that context that we just laid Okay, it says verse 9 urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything to be well pleasing not argumentative not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. So let's just kind of go through that verse there. First thing we see is the word bond slaves or slaves. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? We don't have, there's not slaves now. That doesn't apply to America, certainly. Well, actually, it does, okay? So if you look at the original term, it's, uh, Dulo, I have to get some uh, professor in. Help us out on that, Brent. <laughs> Duloy? Yeah, Dulo. Okay, but it really what it's identifying is someone who is under submission, okay, under bondage. But the key there is submission. Somebody under submission. Everybody's under submission, all right? So there are many different forms of, of slavery, particularly back in this time frame. So, you know, we tend to think of slavery just by what we've, we've seen in our country years ago and the abuse of that and the horridness of it. But slavery took on a lot of different forms back in those cultures. Okay. Some of them were, really looked like an employee-employer type relationship. Okay. So it wasn't all bad. So we have to put that in the right context of the time frame. Okay. Um, and, and this text isn't really distinguishing any particular type of slave. The key is it's somebody who is under submission. That's what we need to remember here. So, you know, slavery in ancient time could actually be beneficial because it allowed for folks who had had resources to give those resources to those who worked for them and thus allowed them to have dignity, make a living, and prosper. Okay? Sounds like our present-day employer-employee relationship, right? Okay? All right. So we can, we can uh, equate those two. This applies to us. Okay? We're slaves. So, with that in mind, what is the responsibility of the slave, or the servant, or the employee? We're going to use those terms interchangeably here. What are the responsibilities? Let's go over to Ephesians six five through eight. Ephesians six five through eight. Okay, pretty clear here. Listen to this: slaves—that's us. Employees. Okay, servants, those in submission. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters. Those are your masters according to the flesh. That's actually quite important. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but of slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. Okay, so pretty good identifying responsibilities there for the servant. Look at verse 5. First thing he says, according to the flesh. Okay, basically what that's doing is it's saying, look, it's, that's our human bosses. Okay, it's our human bosses. We are to be obedient to our human masters. Certainly, we're to be obedient to the Lord, right? But this is referring to, um, uh, according to the flesh, our human bosses. And how are we to do that? Well, with fear and trembling. Okay. And why? Why with fear and trembling? Well, because the obedient servant, our servant, <clears throat> operates out of the sincerity of heart as to Christ. Okay. And I love this quote that MacArthur uh, used here. He says, um, look, we work with fear and trembling, looking right through our employer into the face of Christ, who is evaluating our effort. So, yes, we are serving our employer. We're working for our employer, but on the other side of that is Christ. We're ultimately always working for him. Okay, we're working for him. So in verse 6, it says, you know, as we do this, as we serve, it's not, uh, not by way of eye service. I mentioned this earlier. It's not just when somebody's watching. You know, when the boss comes around, you really pick up your effort, and you break a little sweat, and you're working hard. No, it should be that way all the time. Okay, it should be that way all the time. And in verse 7, it basically is saying that who's your employer? Christ. Looking through your employer to Christ. So Christ is your employer. He's your boss. He's your master, okay. And then, lastly, God will re- reward that the sincere servant. Okay, isn't that amazing? How He gives us all these gifts, and he, he tells us what to do, and He empowers us to do it, and He motivates us to do it, and He turns right around and rewards us for the thing that He basically has equipped us to do. It's it's wonderful. You see that that common theme throughout, even in salvation. First Timothy. Chapter 6, 1 and 2. Okay, what's uh, First 1 Timothy, First Timothy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says? Okay, it says, All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Those who have believers as their masters must not be disrespectful to them because they are brethren, but must serve them all the more, because those who partake of the benefit are believers and beloved. Teach and preach these principles. So what are we hitting on here? Uh, We talked earlier about, Obedience, obey our masters, but this gives just a little bit different twist on it. Now we're talking about the principle of respect. Okay, do you see that? Okay? To regard their masters as worthy of all honor, that's respect. So we are to respect those in we're submission to. Context here is your employer. Okay. <clears throat> and and again, the reason we do this is, is so that the name of God, so the name that the name of God in our teaching. His teaching will not be spoken against," it says it right. And it gives you the reason there. It says so that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Everything has a reason. So, and it kind of it kind of hits on this this um, this believer believer scenario where you have this believing employee working for a believing employer, and that probably applies to a lot of us in here. Hopefully, I mean, it's it's great. It can be a wonderful thing. But there's danger in that. Okay? Actually, one of the questions you guys brought to me last week afterwards is this very scenario. How does that dynamic work? Okay? Well, you know, it's, it's easy. We have to guard against disrespect. Okay? It's very easy to, if your employer is a believer and perhaps you can go to church with them, that type of thing, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's John, he's my buddy. You know, uh, yeah, he's the boss, but that, that's okay. He's, you know, we're buds. So you, you get the, get the idea there. We're not to re, we're not to lose that um, that respect for that position. We still have that employee-employer relationship that needs to be honored. Okay, and it's kind of hitting on that here. So are we equal in Christ? Absolutely equal in Christ. Absolutely we are. But be careful not to push that equality into the job place. That's the point. That's the point. Okay. All right, so what are some character qualities qualities of the Christian employee? Now, I promise, now we're going back to our original key text, all right? Titus 2, 9 through 10. All right. And remember... What, is, what are these verses related to? It all goes back to our evangelistic uh, impact. The evangelistic impact. So keep that in mind as we're looking at these, these characters, these traits of a, of, a, of a biblical employee. All has to do with evangelism. Number one, submission. Submission. Okay? What does it say in verse 9? It says, urge bond slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. We saw that back in Colossians 3.22. We just read it a while ago. Right? This whole idea of being subject to their masters. The Greek word, and it's Greek to me, guys, but uh, it's hupotasso. Hopefully I did that right. This is a neat term, though. Okay, This Greek term, it's, it's really it's a military term. It means to get in rank. Hey, guys, if you have any military background at all, you know, when, you're, when you're calling a, uh, you know, people to get in rank... They all line up, and there's an order to that. They just don't randomly fall in, okay? Uh, there's, there's order to it. Those that are at a high level of authority are in one place, those that are in lesser authority tend to be more in the back. So they're all ranked, and it's all lined up. That's what this term is, is referring to. It's basically to get in the rank, okay? We're, be, we're to submit to authority. And, and listen, this is, this is nothing new. We see this submission um, principle in all, all aspects of our life. we see it in the family? Sure, we see it in the family. You know, the Word says that wives are to submit to husbands, children are, are to submit to their parents. Okay? Okay, we're all to submit to Christ, all right? So it occurs in the family, it occurs in our church. We're to submit to our elders, okay? We're to submit to our government. As painful as that may be sometimes, we're to submit, Okay? So it encompasses all those different aspects of our secondary calling that we talked about multiple weeks ago. Remember those areas of secondary calling? Uh, family, community, church, vocation. All of those, all of those areas have an uh, a idea of submission to it. You can't get away from it. Okay? Let's look at the term uh, masters that we use in this uh, text. It's from the, the Greek term. Um, it's where we get our word despot from. Okay, that has kind of a negative connotation. Somebody's a despot, right? It's someone who has absolute authority. All right, but I think that he's, he's trying to make that emphasis here. This is an authority type uh, situation here. First Peter 2.18. Now this is tough. Because sometimes uh, those that we're in submission to uh, may be very difficult people. Put it put it nicely. Um, I'm sure we surveyed the group here, and we've all probably been some time or another been under a an oppressive, uh, maybe a very unpleasant situation where we were having to submit to the authority of someone that frankly we just didn't like, or maybe they were kind of a miserable uh, you know person or whatever. Okay, but listen, First Peter 2:18 says, "Ain't no excuse, right? No excuse." It says, "Even if he is unreasonable, okay." We are to be in submission. Okay? So there's no exceptions here. Um, you know, we, we only be obedient if, if the, the person you're being obedient to you know, is, is a good guy. You know, they're doing the right thing, etc. Now, obviously, if you're asked to do something that's a sin, it's against the Word of God, that's a different story. Okay? We're going to assume that everyone understands that concept. We're not talking about those type of issues. Okay, if you're asked to sin, you don't do it, okay? Because then the higher authority comes into play, okay? But just know that just because you have a difficult uh, a person to submit to doesn't relinquish us from that responsibility. And here's the, here's the other cool thing about this. you think about it, if our, if our primary focus is an evangelistic one, let's say in the workplace or wherever that is, okay? Um, submission, the act of submission... Doesn't require skill necessarily. Doesn't require that you be a great communicator. Doesn't require that you can uh, witness in a very smooth uh, fashion and have a great story to tell or, or be persuasive with the scripture. Um, it doesn't even require that you have permission from your boss to share the gospel. Submission doesn't require any of that, does it? So you mean to tell me that we can be evangelistic through just submitting? Absolutely. Absolutely. Get the idea there? So, no excuse. Let's submit. Okay? When we're told to submit, let's submit. Second point. Excellence. Excellence. Look at verse 9 again. The end of verse 9. It says, Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything... Okay, there's a submission part. To be well-pleasing. Well-pleasing. Okay, in other words, seek to please the the one in authority over you. Be well-pleasing to that person. Okay? And actually, this term, well-pleasing, is used in Scripture and I think, one exception. Uh, It has to do with well-pleasing to God is really what it's referring to. Okay? Uh, And it echoes what we read back in Ephesians 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, okay? Means to be well-pleasing to God. So it raises the question, what kind of work would you do if the Lord Jesus Christ himself were your employer? If he was the one sitting in the office at your work site every day or sitting in your home uh, when you're doing your task there, carrying out your vocational calling? What would it look like if Christ was personally there as your employer? Well, guess what? He is, right? He is. He is, okay? So give him your best. Give him your excellence. That's the point here. He's watching, okay? And here's the other neat thing. If, if we're striving after the divine standard, Right? If Christ is doing our evaluation, if, if we're, we're serving God, okay, do you think His standard is a little higher than our employers? You bet it is. Okay, so if we're striving for that divine standard, you're going to overwhelm your employer, okay, and knock his socks off. I mean, they're going to be amazed. Hey, that's the point here. Work like you're serving, serving God, and I guarantee you, you'll take care of the needs of your, your uh, earthly um, master. Okay. Um, so excellence gets noticed it does it stands out when we're striving when we're submitting when we are striving after excellence in everything that we do it stands out because it's such a stark contrast to the world and therefore it becomes a, a powerful evangelistic tool okay people notice that stuff right point three very practical we're to be non-argumentative. Okay, this is a great, great practical uh, truth here. Verse nine: You are not to be argumentative. That's what it means. Okay, nothing fancy here. Um, but what does it mean? It means not to speak against. You get the idea here that uh, you don't mouth off, you don't talk back. Okay, you don't argue. You don't. You're not you're not rebellious. Etc. You get the idea. That's that's the flavor here. Is we're, we're not to be argumentative with our employer, with our master. Um, we're we're to be compliant, not obstinate. Okay, obstinate is, is obstinence is not an option here. Okay, and and listen, this is a this is a common fault. This is very very uh, uh, real stuff that we see in the workplace all the time. Okay. And we're probably all to some degree guilty of this. You know, you get asked to do something, and you don't really want to do it. You know, you don't really agree with it, so you either don't do it, or you do it half-heartedly. Like, well, I'm going to do it, but, you know, it's, gosh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I really don't want to do this. So you do it with a half-effort, all right, Which, and then, then what you're asked to do fails, and then you blame it on him for making you do it to begin with. You, you see that whole dynamic? That's not, that's not supposed to be our behavior. We, we have to comply. We have to comply. Um, Now, listen, hopefully, in most settings, there's some avenue for communicating disagreements. If you have something that you're not happy with, you know, most employers have a way you can communicate with with them about that, but there's a proper way to do it, right? And we need to follow those proper channels. Um, Otherwise, you are to comply, okay, even if you don't agree. Honesty. Another uh, very, very practical responsibility of employees, of servants: you're to be honest. Verse ten, not pilfering. <laughs> okay, pilfering—interesting word. Uh, that means you're to be honest. Don't steal. Okay, uh, and this this implies the, the the kind of the stealthy thievery type thing. Okay, um, and it can take a lot of forms. You know, there's the obvious stuff. You're embezzling money from your, your your company, your employer, whatever. You're misappropriating funds. You know the big stuff, the so-called big stuff. But you know, there's there's other things that we, we kind of just brush off a little bit. You know, what, are we are we stealing time from our employer? Okay, do you, do you show up to work on time and actually get to work, or do you spend yeah 30 minutes here, 45 minutes there? checking your Facebook page, you know, chatting about, you know, what happened over the weekend, those kind of things. Listen, that's stealing, okay? You said, oh, that's harsh. What do you mean? Oh, I'm not stealing. Yeah, you are. You're not paid to do that activity, okay? All right? You need to, you, we need to be thinking about these things. We need to be uh, very, very in tune to different ways that we could be robbing our employer, okay? And, and literally, even more importantly, um, not being obedient to what we're commanded to do, that God tells us to do. We're not serving our, our real master uh, well. We're not doing it um, heartily, okay? Um, so we're to be honest, okay? Uh, you know, thou shalt not steal. <laughs> That's pretty simple, right? Don't steal. Don't steal time. Don't steal money. Don't steal stuff. We we can't do that, all right? So, I, you know, I ask us all to take a look, hard look at that, okay, even in the little things. Last point here is, is loyalty. Now, here's a term we don't see much today in our society, loyalty. Verse 10 kind of hits on this. It says, uh, but showing all good faith, but showing all good faith. Faith translated means faithfulness or trustworthiness or reliability, loyalty, okay, it's that sense of loyalty. Um, and it's a rare thing in our culture, culture to this day. Everyone, I say everyone, in general, the world, our culture, who are they looking out for? They're looking out for themselves. That's the culture we live in. There's no loyalty. There's, there's no loyalty in uh, marriage. Let's look at the divorce rate. Even in the so-called Christian community, where's the loyalty? There's very little loyalty to church. People leave churches all the time. They didn't, feel, they didn't meet my needs. You know, they didn't have what I needed. I didn't get anything out of it. Okay, there's very little loyalty uh, in work nowadays. You know, back when our parents, my parents, grandparents, you worked for one company 30 years often. That was not unusual. There was loyalty there from both ends, from the employer and the employee. Not so today. Look at the millennials. They change jobs frequently. There's not, that's, this idea of loyalty has escaped us to some degree, okay? Um, and not only that, what does it say? It says showing um, means to give ample evidence. So we are, we are to be loyal, but we're supposed to, to give evidence of that loyalty, okay? Um, so the question is, do we consider ourselves loyal, you have a sense of loyalty to those that are uh, over you that you're submitting to, to your employer, or whoever it may be, okay? So, a Christian at work, applying these principles of submission, excellence, honesty, loyalty, not rebelling or undermining his employer, this person is going to attract attention, they really will. Will By contrast, we spoke on this earlier, they're going to stick out. okay. Uh, and the other side of that is, what else is it going to do? Well, it's going to attract attention, and hopefully in a positive way, people are going to want to know what is driving, what is driving uh, her or him, I and mean, what, what's going on there? What's the driving force behind that passion, behind that excellence? Um, so that can be an evangelistic uh, opportunity, but also it's going to confront sinners okay um, with the reality of who they are okay and and often that's um that's that can be an ugly thing okay uh, some of you may have had this experience before you go into your workplace and you give it everything you got, you're applying these principles, and other people hate it why because it makes them look bad it it shows them for what they really are okay uh, but nonetheless um, that doesn't uh that doesn't um, allow us to do anything else than what we're called to do, okay? So what's the overall application here? Well, do we exhibit these qualities at work? Let's self-examine ourselves here. Are we doing these things, okay? Do, do others look at us differently? Or church on Sunday, work on Monday, do we look like everybody else, okay? Do we have two separate personalities going on here? We act one way when we're, we're around our you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, we look totally different when we're out there in the secular world. Uh, we want to blend in. We don't want to create waves, right? Just want to fit in. Now We should look, we should look different. We should, okay? And the other thing is, going back on this evangelistic uh, type of aspect here, it says, do others use our actions and our hypocrisy to discredit God, because they will. Okay, if we're saying, if we're saying that, um, you know, we're serving the Master, that we're followers of Jesus Christ, and yet we're stealing, or we're not being submissive, if we're undermining our employer, okay, if we're not giving our full effort, what does that say? Well, to the unbeliever, that's like, eh, I don't buy this Christianity stuff. He's just like the rest of us. Okay, they will use that to discredit. Not only you, but the God that you serve. Okay, that's serious business. Okay, so let's all—we all need to look at that closely. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Okay. Father, what a humbling reality our responsibility uh, as slaves. Uh, Lord, that's what you called us to—to to be submissive to all the authorities in our life. or to um, not only when it's easy, Lord, but when it's even difficult. Lord, you gave the ultimate example of being submissive to the Father. Lord, because of that submission, we're able to come to you and and uh, spend eternity with you. So we thank you for that ultimate example of submission that you've given us. Lord, we ask that um, you would convict us in those areas where we've fallen short, what we've heard about today, and and uh, just really desire to change it Lord that we'd be a, uh, that we 'd be light that we 'd be salt and light, Lord, that others would see us as different and thereby uh, giving us the opportunity uh, to share with them what drives us what makes that what makes us different, Lord, ultimately bringing glory to your name Christ name we pray amen okay so what 's next next week we 're going to look at the other side of this coin, the employer. Okay, and that just doesn't—it doesn't just apply to a guy who's signing the checks. It applies to all of you that have someone submitting to you, husbands. Okay, women. Okay, everybody has—we are submitting to everyone, someone, and someone is submitting to us. It's always going on. So these principles are going to apply to everybody. Okay, we're going to look at that, and then in uh, the last week we're going to have our panel Q&A. I'll uh, we'll have several folks up here to be able to field some questions about these issues, and I would ask um, send those questions to me. I put my email on, I think you, my email's on the handout, I believe cwaderson at yahoo.com If you have some questions, either tell me or, or send them ahead of time. Um, doesn't mean you can't ask a question that's not presented ahead of time, but, but help us out here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> some of these things are pretty weighty, and, and uh, I know that the folks that are going to be up here would appreciate a little bit of a um, jump start on some of those more difficult questions. Because we, we don't want to give you our opinion. okay? No one wants to give their opinion. We want to show you what the Word of God says. okay? And um, But send those to us, and then uh, it should, should go well. Good Smith.